Here we are. West Coast communities stand united against Kinder Morgan's reckless pipeline proposal, but the company and the federal government seem hell-bent on moving forward. First Nations, cities, and even the province of British Columbia are fighting this project in the courts, but at the same time, people throughout the region are gearing up to stand in its way. Welcome to Line in the Sand by the Wilderness Committee. I'm climate campaigner Peter McCartney. Our show will bring you stories of the people standing up to one of the world's most powerful industries, big oil. From the frigid waters of the Salish Sea to mountain passes in Sequetmaculuk, we'll meet the folks determined to protect their home and stop the Kinder Morgan pipeline. Resistance takes a fire in your belly, but it won't last for long without food there too. Today, we visit a workshop in Vancouver teaching people how to cook for a protest camp. Volunteers fight back tears as they chop bags and bags of onions in the kitchen of Grandview Baptist Church just off Commercial Drive. A handful of us are making a tomato, rice, and lentil dish, enough to feed a small army. Today's training is hosted by the Sacred Fire Network, a group formed this spring to build the capacity needed to support frontline Indigenous resistance. They're getting folks ready for the day-to-day realities of camping in the path of a pipeline. Teresa Dewar is leading the Food for the Frontlines workshop. A mother, teacher, and member of the church, she's a longtime activist for social justice. There's a lot to think about when cooking for a crowd. Uh, We made, it's called kushri, it's an Egyptian rice and lentil dish. Very simple, not very many ingredients, but very hearty and really tasty. Things like that, things with um, beans and chickpeas and... Um, but simple things, things that can be uh, cooked within a reasonable time frames. We cooked enough for 100 people in an hour and a half. Beyond the planning and logistics of actually fighting pipelines, simply keeping everyone fed is a massive undertaking. People need to be nourished when they're in those kinds of fights. And I I think it really helps the the hosts uh, to know that there are people who can do that work for them is they have a lot of other tasks that they need to be doing. And so if they know that food is taken care of, I think it's a huge burden off of them. Frontline kitchens take on a vital role beyond the provision of calories. Kitchen's a great space, and uh, I think it has the potential to offer just super positive energy in places of real tension. Over many visits to the Unistoten camp in the former path of the Northern Gateway Pipeline, Dewar's understanding of her role in the struggle grew alongside the facilities themselves. And they've been there as it's evolved from, you know, a makeshift kitchen with a couple of gas burners to now they have a full industrial-sized kitchen in their healing centre, which is really cool. That just was very formative for me in terms of, if I want to talk about justice, I have to be working on issues of justice that are central to the colonial system and I feel like like once you know that you can't just like do it for a little while it's a life long because it's it's not going to be gone by the time I'm gone that work is every bit as needed Sashin Seacham has been working on decolonization since she was 17 she led a workshop examining the relationships Canadians have with Indigenous peoples to give folks the tools to work through them before they hit the front lines. Skills people probably don't think about, like unpacking their privilege, unpacking how they view the fight against resource extraction like tar sands, that it's not just for Indigenous people, environmentalism, it's also, you know, reclaiming our, our identity and, and protecting our land. 
Even supporters of First Nations struggles bring a lifetime of baggage that can often get in the way. It creates power struggles and basically um, confronting and dealing with everybody preconceived notions of what it's like to work on a front line with Indigenous people. Her training helps people to come to these fights with respect and support. Making sure that you're approaching this work that you're doing in a manner that is going to be beneficial to the Indigenous people of the land, regardless if they're in the struggle or not. It just creates a foundation to build upon so that things that we should be focused on, like stopping Kinder Morgan, aren't tied up with also unpacking settler colonialism and how systemic racism affects Indigenous people and, and how that plays out in these resistance front lines. This was Sacred Fire Network's first day of workshops, but the group is planning more. Dewart says there's room for all skill sets and interests, from medics to legal aid to media work, ready to provide support. We have a network of people that we try and mobilize. We have people who are involved in almost like hubs, different uh, organizing groups that would maybe focus on, say, food. And those groups, as they're needed, then we will contact those people and put them in contact with the um, front lines. And as I said, it's super like evolving. We're just kind of getting going. <laughs> Today's crew made four big roasting pans full of food which was donated to the Sugar Mountain Tent City after a quick sample. Thanks for joining us for the third episode of Line in the Sand. Over the coming months, we'll bring you more stories from the front lines of the fight against Kinder Morgan's pipeline. Join us next time as we speak with the people challenging the project in court. I'm Peter McCartney from the Wilderness Committee, and until then, keep up the fight.